One, two, three. One, two, three. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> uh, yes. It is time to what? Dig into the word, right? We last week, uh, or two weeks ago, we got into the good angels, then we got into the devil, Satan, and well, he started a good angel, didn't he? He just kind of fell, and so we were, I think, on page at the bottom 86, right? We're fixing to get into his character, and I wrote down here, does he have any? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know character, me, character to me is something important, you know? It's like integrity. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, and that's kind of, I think, what we're going to find out. It's, it's right the opposite of what uh, we think of as character as far as God. You know, God has so many great attributes and characteristics and stuff. But anyway, we're going to find out about the old, I call him Slewfoot. Yeah, adversary, whatever you want to call him, that you and I, does anybody wrestle with him a little bit every once in a while, like Jacob? And I know we shouldn't, you know, you hear me say quite frequently, the only power he has is what we give him, but we always, it seems like, uh, do give him a little bit of power every once in a while. He slips in so subtly, and we don't even realize we're fighting him until, oh, oh, okay, it's you behind all of this, you know, type, type thing. So anyway, we're going to find out. A little bit more about him tonight. The first part was his origin. We read about that, how that he was kicked out of heaven, took a third of the angels with him. And so now his character, uh, A, is Satan, means literally adversary, and pictures his malicious and persistent attempts. Here's his purpose in a nutshell, to hinder God's purposes. True? Attack, kill, destroy, you know, John 10, 10, the thief has come, but to rob, steal, kill, destroy, all of that. I've come that you might have life. So if you look at that, we may have mentioned this last week, in the Greek word, the word Satan is S-A-T-A-N-A-S, Satanus, the accuser, the devil. In the Hebrew, it's Satan, slanderer, or arch enemy of God. So there's been a battle going on for years and years and years and years between uh, righteousness and evil and wickedness and perverseness. Of course, we know he's the, the leader of, of that group. So, you know, the opposition was especially manifest in his attempts to thwart God's plan by destroying the chosen line from which the Messiah was to come. So we go plumb back uh, to uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, it says here, Cain, Eve's first son, was of that wicked one, referring to him. And what did he do? He killed his brother, didn't he? God gave Eve another son, Seth, who became the appointed seed through whom earth's deliverer could come. Did you realize, in, in, in this is something you might want to write down if you've got a pen, uh, the, lin the lineage uh, of uh, Jesus can be traced in two places. Anybody got a clue which chapter and verse? Okay, Matthew 1 traces him all the way back to Ab Abraham. Luke chapter 3, towards the end of it, about verse 30, traces him plumb back to Adam. And it kind of does it in reverse. It starts with Jesus and then it runs all the way back, you know, up one column and down the... Uh, Luke 
3, about verse 35, towards the end of Luke uh, 3. And you can read it for yourself. And sure enough, there you'll, there you'll find Seth's name. Jesus came out of Seth's bloodline. And, and then we're going to talk later here about Noah. He also came out of Noah's bloodline, uh, Shem. Now, in your, in your original King James, there in that chapter, it'll show Shem as S-E-M, and it'll show Noah as N-O-E, just kind of the way they spelled it, you know, in the King James under the, uh, in, the in the Greek. N-O-E? Well, yeah. Anyway, so here's, you know, he, he what he's saying here is he's tried to stop Jesus from, you know, Adam and Eve and their children, right? All the way back. So, uh, thus failed Satan's attempt to destroy mankind and so defeat God's purpose. From Shem, Noah's son, uh, this paragraph 3 there on page 87, Noah's son was descended of Abraham, the progenitor. Everybody know what that word means? Ancestor, okay? Progenitor means ancestor of a chosen people through whom God would set save the world. Naturally, the enemy's efforts would be directed against this particular family. One writer traces Satan's hidden opposition in the following incidents. Ishmael's opposition to Isaac, Esau's attempt to kill Jacob, there's another one, Pharaoh's oppression of the Israelites. So all of these things are playing out, trying to take out the bloodline. So Satan is described as seeking to destroy the church in two ways. First, from within. Oh, yeah. Devil can't get in a church, can he? <laughs> yeah. As long as there's a human. Yeah. And, definitely get together if somebody buys me lunch I can no I'm teasing <laughs> I'm messing <laughs> I can have a lot of knowledge and I wouldn't even sit there I really don't know no no <laughs> yeah yeah there you go yeah you get me on some seafood and I I'll I'll I'll, I'll kind of nod and go mm-hmm 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 Anyway, he tries from within and where else? Without, doesn't he? By persecution. Same was true of Israel. And isn't Israel, you know, we look at the church Jesus built, but Israel is kind of the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, are kind of a picture of the church in the Old Testament, aren't they? Never used that word. Jesus was the one that started that word. Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he's the one that termed that word. And then Paul wrote a lot about the church and some of the other apostles too. But anyway, Jesus. Uh, Paul. Paul, yeah, Paul used that word a lot too, church, but ecclesia, which means called out ones, called out from among the world. So 
He says here, the same was true of Israel, God's Old Testament church. He even agrees with me there. The worship of the golden calf at the beginning of their national life is typical of what occurred constantly throughout their history. And in the book of Esther, we have the example of an attempt to destroy the chosen people again there with Mordecai and all the shenanigans going on there. But God's chosen people have survived both the taint of idolatry and the fury of the persecutor because of the divine grace which is always preserved. Here it is, a faithful remnant. Are we seeing that even today? Is there a faithful remnant? Hallelujah. And that's you guys. You're the ones that's here on Tuesday night, you know, learning, wanting more. I want more of uh, the Word of God in my life. And people like the, the group there in Asbury and now really all across the United States, hungry. Hungry for God. So the devil, and somebody, I think, put it on Facebook, you know, just three days before the Asbury revival started is when the Grammys or the Emmys or which, oh, yeah. whichever one. I don't even want to know their, yeah, yeah did this. Yeah. Yeah, pathetic. And it's like God goes, here, y'all one up you on that deal. You know, you got five minutes of fame. We're going to go for weeks here, you know, with a, with a deal. We'll, we'll see who's in control. But he... He has limited power. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He has limited power over nations and people. And, and yet he would make you think that he has more power than God. But <clears throat> every once in a while, God gives him a pretty good reality check, you know. Oh. Yeah, dumping. I like that. So he tried to take him out. Uh, when in the fullness of time, here the Redeemer does finally come into the world. His death was planned by the wicked Herod, but once again, God prevailed and Satan was frustrated. In the wilderness, Satan attempted to hinder God's anointed and to divert him. Remember that one, the three temptation there in Matthew 4? You know, uh, if you really be the son of God, command this stone that it'll become bread. And, and, you know, Jesus used the word on him, took him up to a high pinnacle. If you're really the son of God, jump off. You know, then shows him all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all this. Jesus goes, hmm. I think we already got that, you know, type thing. In his mind, he didn't say that, but he, uh, you know, he's trying everything uh, that he can to get Jesus to fall down and worship him, and yet Jesus never succumbed to his uh, temptation, you know. And in the end, we know that the devil thought he won on Golgotha, didn't he? He thought, all right, all right. We, on Golgotha, the Calvary, when Jesus died. He thought, I finally did it. I've destroyed the Son of God. But on the third day, it was Friday, but Sunday was coming, wasn't it? <laughs> on the third day, there was a rumbling and an earthquake. And up from the grave, hallelujah, he arose. Praise God. So, anyway, we see here in this first part under A, under Satan, that... Uh, he even closes it out here by saying that age-long conflict. The devil's been trying, 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 but once again, he's never gonna, he'll never be able to destroy God's plan uh, for humanity. So B, devil, that means literally slanderer. Satan is so-called because he slanders both God and who else? Yeah. Yeah, anybody. He can. I didn't really look up the word slander, but it's, it's not a good thing. 
You know, he someone that talks bad about somebody else. Yeah, lies and yeah, split tongue, just on and on. So he's he does that, and there's some scriptures there if you care to read those later that bear this out. He's a destroyer. There in, in uh, you know John ten ten destroys come to destroy is the thought conveyed by Apollyon that's the Greek word and Abaddon Hebrew Revelation nine eleven filled with hatred against the Creator and His works the devil would set him up set himself up as the destroyer God serpent that's the one we kind of heard in the in the beginning didn't we Genesis three that old serpent you know came and and uh, called the devil and then Revelation refers to him as that also uh, the one of old used as a serpent as the agent to bring about what we call the fall of man in Genesis 3 tempter does he tempt you does he make stuff look really good does he try to get you thinking about it and then a, a little more thinking about it and then action acting on it James talks about that in James 1 you know that it does the step-by-step -step progression of how it starts, how sin starts as a thought, and then it's a repeated thought, and then it's, you think about it all the time, and then, you know, then it turns into lust, and then he says lust, when it's conceived, uh, brings forth sin, which brings forth death. So it's kind of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and it may take some people a short term to get from point A to point uh, F or whatever it is, and some people a long time, but... He just keeps plugging away to try to take you out. So tempter, God tests men for their good. Does God test you? Yes, he does. He does. For their good to purify and develop character. We talked about that some Sunday, about your heart. Guard your heart. When things are going on in your life, do a heart check, you know, to see what's What's going on? Okay, what's, is God trying to teach me? What am I doing? What's, what's going on here? I need to guard my heart because out of it flow the issues of life, you know? So it's God does it to purify and to develop character. Satan tempts them with the malicious design of destroying them. And really, Job, Job is a great example of test. You know, God allows the enemy to test us. That's what happened. You know, when there, there came a day, Job was a perfect man, eschewed. The Bible uses the word eschewed, which acknowledged evil. He knew what was good, what was right, what was wrong. But there was a day when the angels come and presented themselves before God, and along with them came Satan. He said, uh, and God was bragging on Job. He said, see Job down there? That's my boy. He's a good one, you know, blah, blah, blah. The devil says, let me, let me get a hold of him, and we'll see how good he is, you know, type thing. So God allows him to test Job, and you go through that whole book, and, you know, and it, all of this stuff is happening. He's losing his flocks, his children, his 
and eventually the enemy attacks his body and his health even. God would not let him kill him. But Job, yeah, yeah, he cursed God and die. You know, everybody and his friends are trying to console him and they're trying to figure out why this is happening and all this. But in the end, it was just a test by God. His wife, yeah, yeah. And he says this, though God slay me, I will yet trust him. I don't care if he kills me. I'm so he never did compromise. No. He remained. And in the end, he got double. If you read the last three verses of Job, you'll see where God blessed him back and double. You know, of course, again, you know, losing, I think it was seven sons and three daughters in the beginning, but then again, God blessed him back with, with more children, but, you know, still. Yeah, that's a loss that hurts right there when you lose. But anyway, he even after losing his children, though, he would not. He would not compromise. So, tempter, uh, and then F, prince and god of this world. Uh, definitely, he thinks he is. <laughs> These titles suggest his influences over society as organized apart from God's will, the world. The whole world lies in wickedness. In the power of the evil one. John, 1 John 5, 19 talks, talks about that and is animated by his spirit. 1 John 2, 16. The world, and, and in what we call the world is the Greek word is cosmos. It's the media. It's the, and he, he actually, this book, remember, was written in 1937. Okay, even down here, if we go down about five or six lines there, it has its back for this purpose. The vast machinery of literature, business, commerce, government, that's what the world basically is, if you wanted to try to define it. It's the influence, it's, uh, which are constantly insinuating reverence for these three, holding them up as the object of honorable desire, position, and status, and, oh, if you could, you know, make it look so good. And then now... In 1937, they didn't have TVs even, you know, they barely had radios, but now with social media and it's pro, can, can you imagine the influence that the world has on all of us, you know? It's powerful. So anyway, he... I get life, right? I get life is hard. But if he wants good for Job, why would he? You know, I, I, I'm struggling with that. And to I, prove I, I mean, it. But, but to yeah, say, yeah, yeah but why, right. But why, why? Like, to what avail? And I, it, I think the strength in him, you know, in my life, I look back up, you know, after serving God 50 years, I can name some of the subtle things the enemy's done to me, you know, divorce. Losing my ministry. I mean, on and on and on. He attacked me, attacked me, attacked me, attacked me. And eventually, you know, he gets a little, he gets a punch or two in. He knocks you down. And, and uh, again, it's not that God was doing this. God was allowing it, you know, to prove 
Job's character, and, and maybe I'm not understanding what you're saying, but it's, no, you, do, you, do you have employees that you allow certain things to happen just to prove them, to see, is he really going to be a good employee, or is he? Well, even with my, with my, with my daughter right now, she's tinkering with stealing things, and I think that she might be, like, just picking up things and putting them in her pocket when she goes to the store, and I... Hmm. Not to do. Don't do it. And if you do it, um, there are going to be consequences you don't like. And so you need to stop. If you need mm -hmm. something, I'll get it for you. And if I'm not willing to give it for you, then you need to work for it. Yeah. I need you to. You need to. You need to learn the value in stealing from it. And then I went in to explain <coughs> all the reasons why stealing is bad for society and everything. But I mean, I, I and I, I, you know, I think I, I think I may have answered my question. I'm trying to find that line up above where it says. Uh, uh, there it is. But whereas God tests man for their good, good to purify and develop, that's the key, yeah. develop character. Care. It might be more like a commandment, but mm -hmm. really it's just what we're talking about. Right. And, I, and I remember that's, preaching a sermon about that it's like a thermostat. You know, he, he knows just the right, he, he doesn't want to burn you to a crisp, you know, in the fire the purifying process, but he'll, you know, he'll, he'll get it up there to where you're feeling the heat, you know, type of thing. And I think one, one important thing, you know, not to like quote that, because I can't quote it, the whole book of Job, but um, an important thing not to gloss over too much is that while Job never cursed God, he asked why, there was some why me, there were some bad habits in there. It's not yep. like he just took it on the chin and kept on striving. Right, like right. He, he cried about it a little bit and whined about it. So it's like, yeah, God allowed for him to be tempted in order to, you know, turn up that thermostat and allow that part of Job to bubble up to the surface and, and be tested and to be refined. Made and, better. Right, and to be, you know, to strengthen that good. So it's like, you know, it's it's not like Job was, was walking and the devil said that, you know, God saw in Job that mm. there were things that needed to be worked out. The dross. Right. And so while it was, in my puny human brain, a pretty cruel experiment, in God's infinite wisdom, it was his way of not only proving to the enemy that, you know, he is steadfast mm. and he is loyal. Mm -hmm. It's also a way to grow Job yeah. into yeah. being able to uh, withstand it. Uh, what's the word I'm looking um, hard times because I just drew a blank but to, be, to be able to withstand the hard right. times and, and uh, persevere yeah good point and you hear me say this a lot there, there is a better version of you there's a better version of John there's a better version of me that is waiting to be manifested yeah, there you go. I still, some of the things that tripped me up when I was 20 years old, driving, you know, went to Dallas Sunday, and it showed up a couple of times, you know, like you ignorant piece of crap. Get back over and you're lying, and then, you know, I'm, I'm quicker to realize, okay, all right. We were going to, uh, we were, it was funny, I thought of this yesterday, we were going to uh, 
Good thing Sheila wasn't driving. Yeah, yeah she, she was in the passenger seat praying. Uh, <laughs> there you go. And there was a point I was like, this is what your dad talks about. <laughs> like, it brought perspective to it, right? And I, yeah. so I was like, you just, and she was over like, we just got to let it go. We'll be fine, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good moment, though. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I have a boy. I'm, that's what I was going to say to that point is that it, it, it's, it's causing me to reflect because I feel like all I'm doing is growing and I don't, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I, like give me a break here. Let me just relax. <laughs> yeah. Get your hand off that thermostat, yeah, please. Exactly. Come on. Uh, and, uh, but I, but I'm, I'm constantly, so for any of y'all who have ever messed with Enneagrams, uh, you know, it's a, it's a faith-based uh, personality test. And I am, there, there's, there are 10 numbers. I'm an, I'm an eight and I'm a challenger. And, and for each one, there's, there's kind of the good and the bad. And everyone has deadly sin. I've talked to you about this. Mm-hmm. And my deadly sin is a, a number eight is a challenger and their deadly sin is, is lust. But at work, I'm a challenger, so I constantly challenge my team, and I'm constantly leaning on them. And they sometimes they're like, "Okay, we need a break." Like, <laughs> all right, we yeah. got to dial back. And I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm reflecting T- full circle. Time to stay home a few days, and <laughs> yeah, we've grown enough this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel. It's like I've grown enough this decade. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. Possibly was a remnant back then of believers like we are here tonight, and there's many other people like him possibly, and just an example of what what people in the what the, the remnant was about, setting an example of, of mm-hmm. as to wonder that would yeah. pull a hand in the eye while I wonder about that, and yeah. you know, and a, a testament to other people going wow, I, I lived that my life, but I wasn't. You know, the, and the, the good thing about Job is some Bible scholars put him way on back, you know, as far as, as, far as your Old Testament being in, in chronological order, it's, it's not necessarily. You know, Job could have even been way back. There's, there's not a love, enough info on it to know, to, to pinpoint the exact time period. But here's the, regardless when it was, whether it was 3000 B.C. or 1000 B.C., uh, the story. The lesson from it is that man, even back then, still goes through testing and trials just like we go through, you know, today. And how do we handle them? We kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There, yeah. So anyway, let's look at his activities here a little bit. What does he do? Uh, their nature, their sphere, uh, on and on, their motive and their limitation. Uh, Satan, and it's going to say it again here, we already mentioned it a while ago, opposes God's work. Period. Every day. He hinders the gospel. He possesses, blinds, deceives, snares the wicked. He afflicts and tempts the saints of God. He has limited power against the saints of God. Did you catch that? He, 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 you know, the other thing, he, he does a lot more to them than he does to us because they're just pawns. They don't even realize that sometimes that the enemy is, is using them or, or 
are moving in their life even. He's described as being presumptuous, proud, powerful, malignant, subtle, deceitful, fierce, and cruel. That's who I want to be like, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's some of his character right there that we were talking about a while ago. Their sphere. He does not confine his operations to the wicked and depraved. He moves in the highest circles. Uh, the Bible says he transforms. He was the first transformer, okay? And he transforms himself into an angel of light. Yeah. Indeed, that he attends religious gatherings is indicated by his presence at the angelic convention. They're talking about Job. And I mentioned that a while ago where there was a day when the angels presented themselves to God and he came along with them. So he was there in heaven presenting uh, uh, right there along with them. And by such term as doctrines of devils, synagogue of Satan, his agents often pose as ministers of righteousness. He loves to uh, deceive and subtly, slowly uh, try to make things look good that aren't good. Page 90. The reasons for this, for his frequenting religious meetings is his malicious determination to destroy the church. Nearly every Sunday there's some little something he tries to do either to me or to the praise team or to the guys back here trying to get the gospel message out around the world. Just any little subtle technical problem, uh, blah, 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 just to get you all riled up so that when you walk out there you're you're not flowing in the spirit. You're you're still carrying some of the flesh. He's used me now for a long time, and I didn't. I never connected the dots. Sheila did. It, come to find out, either every Saturday night or usually Sunday morning. Sunday morning, inevitably, uh, more times than not, I'd pick a fight with her. And then you can go back and look at it. Sunday mornings, I'm picking a fight with her. She goes so up. she'll come to church all distraught. Yeah and, yeah. yeah, and we finally realized that, and it was like, holy cow. Like, I mean, it was, you can go back and look at our text messages, and it's like, wait a minute. Like, it's too coincidental, right? It's too, yeah. and anyone knows Sheila. I mean, you know, she is, she, uh, no one's perfect, but, man, that is, that woman is genuinely a God lover. She is genuinely a child of Christ. And uh, and I have been, and this goes back to you know I'm just going to call call it a, a spade a spade, and I have been absolutely a tool of Satan's to cause her grief and to bring her down and to hurt this church to the point where, I mean, even the last two Sundays I'm in here and I am thinking the most, just it's it I, I don't want to go into all of it here, but it is. I am being drugged through the mud right now and have been for a while. And, you know, Sheila has held on and been such a good woman through it all, but it is consequently also drug her through the mud. And uh, it's just, you know. It takes a big man to admit some of the stuff you're talking about, for sure. When you step back and you see it and you realize mm -hmm. I'm being used. Yeah, I'm being he used. uses deacons. I mean, it, you're, again, it's just. 
preach on Friday nights or for chapel for our girls, I would have some issue with the fact that he worked all day long and he was going to be there. And then he'd, I'd be watching on the security camera to see, is he wrapping up yet? Is he done yet? And I'd start texting him like clockwork the minute he said, amen, are you leaving now? You don't need to stand there and talk to them. You need to come home. Why are you still there? This is ridiculous. And I would pick a massive fight with him. And he would have just had this incredible service. And I reduce him to ashes. Just reduce him to nothing. For what? This is good stuff. For what? You know, and it was just the devil using me to stop him from counseling girls that had serious questions, uh, make him feel like he was a terrible husband and a, a terrible pastor and a terrible director of that center, and just using me, using me, using me. And at first, when he brought that up in counseling, I was highly offended because pastor was our counselor and he can attest to that. <laughs> he would never betray my confidence, but I'll admit it. No. I found it highly offensive. How dare you bring that up? I was genuinely upset. But then it's like the more I would reflect on it, it was like, yeah, you were you, you needed to text him right that in that moment, the right enemy. there, in yeah. that moment. You couldn't have waited 12 hours to talk to him about it the next morning. No, you had to say it right then. No, you didn't. You were right. being used. Right. You were being used. And yeah. I just, you know, just destroying his ability to minister to those girls. Not every time and not all the time, but yeah. a lot. Yeah, and, and you, you as ministers, as you go into ministry, you're going to have to be aware of this. I love it that we can prepare you this is what this class we talk openly about stuff like this It's not something you get at some bible colleges and they may just run down through here and say you know he's the their motive and the mission and the all of this this is real life down to earth experiences that i hope will help you you know because again i i've had people want to me to counsel them before church i'm like no <laughs> <You've> <laughs> have you lost your freaking mind you know my mind i've I start Saturday night about 8 p.m. getting ready, and every once in a while there'll be a crisis Saturday evening or Sunday morning that you have to deal with. But I'll, I've even having to come in, you know, 15 minutes early, and I'm back in there studying. Hey, can I talk to you a minute about situation? And with it, I said, you know what? I, I, I'll be happy to listen to you later, but not right now. I'm, I'm focused. Yeah, yeah. There we go on, uh, on the service today. You know, so. Right. No, no. No, no. We were talking about <laughs> moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. He was excited at, about looking at the new building and yeah. But, uh, but anyway, how how he how he how he poses and uh, yeah, the, the, right. the part where he wants to where, where did it say the part that he wants to destroy the church? There it is, top of ninety. The, the, uh, yeah, the reason for this frequenting religious meetings is his malicious determination to destroy the church. I mean, I mean that that line right there, it just it just hits home because I I'm 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 struggling through this process and it just really reminds me or, or maybe it, it not so much reminds me as it, it is it is in this moment pointing out to me stop being a tool <coughs> that he's using to create disruption yeah and examine and your that's motive that's why i want to say it out loud right, I right. Say it. it's it's good yeah. 
John, did you have something to say? I thought I'll go you. <laughs> dirt, you know, and then I start questioning, like, okay, now I need to pull back stuff from God, now I need to have a talk with pastor about, hey, maybe I can't help out so much at church, or this or that, you know, so then I have to depart from my beautiful wife, and get on my knees, and just talk to God, you know, and he'll, he always yeah. keeps directing me, so, yeah. but it's a, mm. it see what, a hard walk. See, what, what, what can happen here, you know, and again, I had this all out of order at one point in my own life, I thought God was ministry. It's not. God, your relationship with God is number one. Then your family. Then your ministry. You know, it's got to be in that. That's exactly right. But I, I had that God and, and, and ministry is so important to me. And, you know, I'm, I've been called by God. And, and, well, yeah, yeah, you've been called by God. But you've also been called. You know, read, read in the early church. You couldn't even hold a position in the church if your family was messed up. If you if you're not if a man's not taking care of his family, get your house in order. Get your There's many examples. I don't know if that's right, wrong, or otherwise. To me, it seems a little harsh, but I don't. I've lived this. I went through a divorce because. Ministry was more important to me than my family, bottom line. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, oh, yeah, very, very much. That'll preach. All right. Page 90, their motive. Why is Satan so intent on your run, our run? Uh, and I wrote out here, you're going to see the word hate here about five or six times, maybe more. Can we understand the hate that he has for us? Do you think we even, you know, I, I have never been a person to hate people. Black, white, red, green, you know, even if you do me wrong, I might for a moment, but hate is just not in my, even, even before I knew God, which I found him early in my life, but I can't remember even as a kid hating anybody, but that is his M.O., he hates everything, everybody. In fact, let's read it here just a little bit, and then we'll, then we'll discuss it. He hates the image of God in us. We are God's image, right? Made in the likeness of God. He made man. He hates the very human nature we bear. 
which has been assumed by the Son of God. He, hate, he became sin and knew no sin. Remember that, Jesus? He hates the external glory of God, which we've been created to promote and thereby to attain our own unending happiness. He hates the happiness and the joy itself to which we are destined because he himself has forfeited it forever. He hates us for a thousand reasons and envies us, as an ancient Jewish scribe has said, but by the envy of the devil, death came into the world, and they that follow him are on his side. So what do y'all think about hate? Does he hate? Has anybody ever hated anybody? I'd never, I thought I had hated people until I genuinely did. And it was like this, um, if I were to put it in a way to be able to see it, it would be um, like dark tentacles that really just reach into the depth of who you are. And they get such a grip within you and they will not let go without a supernatural. They just will not. There is no hobby. There is no distraction. There so is no substance. So it manifests itself in your thought life It does. First. And I, it took so long. And the reason I use octopus tentacles is because it's like suction cup by suction cup, having to pry that hatred out of your heart. Um, and it's, just, like, it, it just gets such a grip on you and and it's like how can I as somebody who has been loved and forgiven by Christ to such extremes as I have experience hatred for another human being when I know that that is like a cardinal no-no because that's committing you know murder in my heart and and frankly it was committing murder in my head over and over again with multiple scenarios if I'm just being completely transparent here and so it was, it was just that the best way I could describe it is like roots, but it was more like octopus tentacles that just gripped every bit of me spiritually, internally, and it took popping them off one by one with God's help to get rid of them. And then further, when it comes to th this is kind of just my understanding of the best that I can as a human to understand the, the hatred of the, of the enemy of, of Satan, and it would be you know, if I had to look at the face of the one that told me that I would never be him, the creator of the entire universe, the one that cast me out, mm -hmm. that I thought I was as good of, if I had to look at the face of that creator on billions of people on the earth, I would prowl around like a rabid lion ready to seek, kill, destroy myself. Good point. I, I, one by one, I will stock my cabinet with, if I can't get you, I'm going to get everyone that looks like you that I can. Looking into the face of somebody, you know, it, to compare it to, you know, somebody who, who is, is, is murdered and then you see the person that murdered them, that, that person's face and having to see it multiplied by every human being that roams this earth because we're all created in the image of God and having to see that face over and over again and it, that is why his hatred is so deep. I could not imagine turning around and every person that I interacted with looked like that person that I hated. And then what's crazy is once he has caused you, yeah, very good point. Once he's caused you to do this thing, then he's up there laughing at you. Yeah, he's getting what he wants. He's laughing. He I've, considers I've, it a small victory, even though he knows he loses in the end. Yeah. He still considers it a small victory. I'm going <coughs> down, but I'm taking them away from you. Yeah. And I know how much you love them. 
And now they're sitting in a prison cell with their life ruined because of the hatred that they had for somebody. And in a moment, you know, I was only in jail two nights, but I've done a lot of, a lot of <laughs> prison ministry. There's, there, there are guys there that just made a quick decision in a moment of hatred, in a moment of anger. And, uh, man, just... And, and then the devil... What'd you say? Oh, yeah. 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 And that's why it's so important to guard your heart. And it's not always... You know, when you hear the phrase guard your heart, it almost, like, induces this thought of putting a fence up around to protect your heart. But sometimes you have to look at it from a different point of view. And guarding your heart, it's keeping your heart from doing things because the heart is yeah. exceedingly wicked. And sometimes guarding your heart is like putting that animal in a cage yeah. and keeping your heart from driving you to do the things that are emotionally driven and, and, and impulsive and dangerous and, and would please the enemy and not God. Yes. You know, so guarding your heart is not always necessarily protecting it like a, a fluffy layer of bubble wrap, but rather <laughs> protecting yourself from your heart, yeah. protecting your soul from your heart. The movie called Rain. Yeah. Rain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so say that the dad. This is participate in this debate a little bit. Okay. This is starting back up. But say that the dad lived and witnessed his family. Okay. Hit the church really bad. Witnessed you know horrific things happen to his family. Some people say that. something to, to experience something like that and, and do you not think that it would be a raging battle within you yeah. to try and not hate what you just witnessed happen to your family like hot lava coursing yeah. through your heart yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah the young man that was in that house in that movie the dad and the mom were shot he had to listen to the man raping his sister and yet 30, 20 years later, you know, he's tied up. He's, they've already shot him and, and uh, shot his sister or whatever, and then going through the molestation there or whatever. Had to listen to that, and then yet, 10, 15, once he had worked through all the hatred, to go into that prison and ask that guy to forgive him. Just, man. Just. Wow. The son. My mom's is a school teacher. She's since passed. She's a good Christian woman, and she taught the, the, his sister in school. She was a, adopted by a family that they were in the Jerusalem camp, and it, it's traumatically affected her whole life. And she wanted to come to that premiere, but she, she couldn't. 
I'm sorry. You keep talking to me. Uh, well, I can't yeah. Think of else to say, but well, it's, okay. uh, yeah, tragic, tragic thing. Okay, we'll move along here. But yeah, it's his, his mo is to fill you with hate. He's filled with, he's filled with hate. You know, where where God is the very essence of love. God is love. Okay. The devil is hate. That's his MO. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, again, good, evil, darkness, light, hate, love. Exactly. Hallelujah. So, that's his motive. Let's look at their limitation. While recognizing that Satan is strong, we should be careful not to exaggerate his power. Uh, I put here a big A men and then wrote out here and I mentioned it at the start he only has the power that we give him for those who believe in Christ he is already a defeated foe I remind him of that frequently he is strongly he is strong only to those who yield to him in spite of his blustering rage he is a coward for James says resist the devil and he'll flee from you power he has but it is limited he can neither tempt afflict kill nor touch a believer without God's permission. His destiny? <laughs> da -da, da -da. I plan on being there. <laughs> Abbas. <laughs> Here it is. God predicted and decreed the downfall. Everything, the next few things we're going to read is down, down. He was kicked down out of heaven. Kicked, he'll be kicked down into the, uh, during the tribulation. Satan's career has indeed been downward. He was cast out of heaven in the beginning. During the tribulation, he will be cast from the heavenlies to the earth. During the millennium, he'll be imprisoned in the bottomless pit. And after a thousand years, he'll be cast down into the lake of fire. Thus, God's word assures us of the ultimate defeat of evil. Hallelujah. I wrote, yay, out here on the side. He's, he's going down. Wicked spirits. Let's spend a, I'd like to get through with chapter uh, and I always enjoy, but I think we can get through this. Fallen angels, that's, who, do, who are they controlled by? <laughs> the devil. Yeah. They were created perfect and blameless. Everything was good, like man, uh, endowed with power of choice. Under the leadership of Satan, many of them sinned and were cast out of heaven, just like him. Jude 6, 2 Peter, and John. The sin by which they and their leader fell was pride. Has pride ruined, ruined a lot of people? Some have thought that the occasion of their rebellion was a revelation of the coming incarnation of the Son of God and of their obligation to worship Him. Now that I kind of, uh, I, I wrote out here that speculation a little bit, that statement right there. Some have, what was it, thought. It's, it's just, you know, we can all have thoughts, right? And I don't there's nothing in the Word of God that backs up what, what he says right here, right? I mean, the way I comprehend it, or do, am I comprehending it wrong? Y'all read it and see what you think. Some have thought that the occasion of the rebellion was a revelation. So they realized they were going to have to worship Jesus, so they rebelled? Maybe so. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. I have never, you know, read anything in Scripture that points to that, but I mean, it does kind of... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you can 
think some more on that for yourself, but I just wrote, uh, there's really no scriptural evidence on that. The present abode of evil angels is described in scripture as partly in hell, partly in the world, especially in the air around us. By ensnaring men in sin, they have acquired great power over them. This power has been broken for those who are faithful to Christ by the redemption which he has achieved. Angels have never come under the provision for redemption, but hell has been prepared for their everlasting punishment. Hell was never created for mankind. We understand that, right? And yet man has chosen to ignore God many times, you know, and, and made his choices, and, and that's where you're going to wind up if that's the life you, if you choose the devil's life, and, and uh, then that's, that's your reward. If you choose the godly life, heaven is your reward. So demons, the scriptures do not describe the origins of demons. That question seems to be part of the mystery surrounding the origin of evil, but they testify very clearly to their real existence and activity. Matthew 12, there Jesus dealt with them. Remember, in the Gospels, we see them as wicked, disembodied spirits, which inner people who are thereupon said to have a demon. In some cases, more than one demon takes up his abode in the same victim. The effects, the effects of their indwelling are madness, epilepsy, other diseases chiefly connected with the mental and nervous system. I've been around a few of them, okay? And I can definitely uh, attest to, to that. The person who is under the influence of a demon is not master himself. The evil spirit speaks through his lips or makes him dumb at his pleasure, drives him whether he wills and generally uses him as a tool, sometimes imparting to this a supernatural strength. Two or three of the people that I've had to cast demons out of were people I knew before the, de the demon entered them. And it was totally different, right? The opposite type personality of what when the enemy or when the demon was, was in, inside of them. so You've dealt with it some too, right? That person just turned into a whole different personality and then a, a different voice and, and everything, you know, just, just crazy. But, and I think he's going to talk about this towards the end of this. I hope we get to it. But he talks about how that we, this is his answer for the Holy Spirit in the believer. Are they wanting in here? Oh, okay, okay, all right. They were here today for about three hours, so I just thought. Yeah, 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 they were here. Look, it's getting close. They'll be transferred over to them next week, so they're, you know, I better shut up. Okay, uh, anyway, yeah, here we go. Uh, back, to the, back to class here if you're listening later. Uh, uh, the person who's under the, yeah, is not master himself. He, the enemy, of course, has dominated taken over. Here's a, a guy, a missionary to China. He had, he, there's a lot of uh, demons, I guess, there in China because they've basically shoved, you know, God away to a, to a great, yeah, to a great degree. So he has more opportunities there. We are a, quote, Christian nation, regardless whether your president uh, believes that or not. But we are a Christian nation. We notice in cases of demon possession in China and those given in the scripture, in some instances, a kind of double 
consciousness or actions and impulses directly opposite and contrary. A woman in Facho or Fachow, though under the, in, probably Chow for Chow Main, though under the influence of a demon whose instinct was to shun the presence of Christ, was moved by an opposite influence to leave her home and come to Fachow to seek help from Jesus. So, um, y'all coming through? Yeah, yeah, you bet. You bet, no problem. So anyway, uh, you know, we see this happening there in, in China. You know, all this uh, demon possession, uh, shunning the very presence of Christ and uh, to leave her home and yet drawn uh, to seek help, you know, so from Jesus. And here's another example here. The most striking characteristic of these cases is that the subject evidences another personality. We mentioned that a while ago. The normal personality for the time being is partially or wholly dormant. The new personality presents traits of character utterly different from those which really belong to the subject in the normal state. And this change of character is with rare exception in the direction of moral perverseness and impurity. Many persons, while demon-possessed, give evidence of knowledge which cannot be accounted for in ordinary ways. You know, even the, the maniac from Gadara, he had knowledge of Jesus, didn't he? Yeah, he, he said, torment me not. Don't, 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 don't make me go down. And, and, and you know, don't, please, just cast me into the... Yeah, into the, yeah exactly. They, they bow to the power of, of God. So they're, they're nothing. Many cases of demon possession have been cured by prayer to Christ or in his name. If, you can, if you're praying with him, you never start saying in the name. It's hard for him to say it at first. The name of Jesus. The name, the name. That's what I'll do. I'll start saying in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. You know. Eventually, you'll just you'll see a breaking and, and uh, the power of the blood will, will start flowing you know, into their life. But so far as we've been able to discover, this method of cure has not failed in any case. However, stubborn and long continued which has been tried and in no instance so far as appears has the malady returned can that will the devil want to you know Jesus talks about it I think it was I forget the scripture where sometimes they'll want to come back seven times worse yeah if you're not guarding your house you know once the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and the demons try to come back you go get on out you know type bam you know they're, they're out of here because they recognize Demons recognize authority, and, and they, as we just mentioned, the example of Jesus. Now, the seven sons of Siva, you know, when they tried to cast, they saw somebody else, Paul, and different ones cast them out, and they go, uh, well, we, can, well, yeah, we want to do that. We want to do that, too. You know, bam. I mean, they got beat up pretty bad, and, and, and said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't. You better go. You better go back to school. You know they left their, I think it said all beat up and wounded. You know type thing because them demons. You know worked them over pretty good. So what is the motive which influences demons to possess themselves of the bodies of men? Uh, the Bible te teaches clearly that in all his dealings with our race, his object is to deceive. Again, back to the same purpose we talked about. 
30 minutes ago to ruin us by drawing our minds from God, inducing us to break God's laws and bring upon ourselves his displeasure. Now, is the world promoting demons and witchcraft and uh, things of the devil all the time? I have a theory. Okay. I'll tell you my theory. I've yeah. probably told you this before. So I have a theory, and it's based off personal experience, but um, I feel like the motive is a lot more than the in-your-face destructiveness. It's not the Linda Blair pea soup. I, I don't, you know, because you don't see, it would be all over, well, I would think, anyway, I would hope, it would be all over the news if everybody that had a demon was doing that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that it's a, it's a much more subtle. Subtle. It's a much more subtle attack, and sometimes it's um, an unintentional but intentional decision, like those who practice, um, uh, like, uh, uh, witchcraft to in the extent of like uh, seances and uh, we talked a little bit about it last time after class you know the that they call it channeling of spirits um, but what it does I won't I'll try not to take too long is in my theory is that um, so Corey and I were both Bible believing Jesus loving Christians right um, so Corey has this great aunt Pearl that passed away 20 years ago or something random right and I claim that even though I'm a Christian, I participate in seances and I believe in ghosts and I believe in all of these things and I do these seances and I allow the spirit of Corey's great aunt Pearl to come into my body and I give him this message, a loving message, not a hateful message, but just says, I'm all right. I'm doing okay, like I'm at peace now. Demons right, like the mediums do, psychics and things of that nature. You know, I, I, I'm at peace now. And Corey goes away with this warm and fuzzy because his great aunt Pearl has just given him a message from the beyond that she's okay. And so nothing about that, if you're not looking at scripture, if, if you're not read up on your Bible, if you're just your average person walking around that doesn't have that knowledge and doesn't have that, that sword in their sheath, right? Um, then it is nothing negative. Sounds and you're like, good. What's wrong with this? How can this be bad? But here's what's wrong with it, and here is the, the depth of the attack. It's such a subtle attack because what it does is it tells Corey that that was his Aunt Pearl because it looked like her and it sounded like her and I knew what her favorite ice cream was, so how could I be wrong? How could this be false? But then Corey opens up his Bible and it says, well, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Father, so how could that have been my great Aunt Pearl? So the Bible must be wrong because Lisa said exactly what her favorite things were. Lisa told me where she was from, and so it starts to cast doubt of the word in that person. Now, the, the, the medium or the psychic may have genuinely believed that they were being helpful, but the reality is, is what they did was they planted this tiny seed of doubt in, in the person, in Corey, or you know, whatever your example is, subtly, that starts to chip away at the truth of the Bible. And, and that is what the, the demonic purpose is, because the best weapon of the enemy is for us to not believe that the enemy existed. When it talks about epilepsy and, and, and diseases of, you know, mental diseases and nervous system, one is not always the other, but the other is always the one. I don't believe that every case of epilepsy is traced to the devil, right. but there are cases where epilepsy is the result of the devil, you know? And, exactly. and so it's like, it's one of those situations. And so the, the further that we can lean towards um, the absence of an enemy, the absence of an adversary, 
the, the more likely we are to question the word of the Bible, and it's such a subtle and, and quiet attack, sure, yeah. but it is so thorough. Yeah. That's my theory. And, and the very first temptation, what did he do to Eve? Did the devil, did, did, God, yeah, did God really say that? What he meant was you that know, you would just know what he knew. You know, and, and it wasn't necessarily that that was wrong because it was the the tree of, of life, a knowledge, right? right. Is you know the, the the fruit would give right. them the knowledge of good and evil. It, that wasn't necessarily a lie, but it was the way he twisted and manipulated it that made it wrong. Exactly. They're just a lot. There's a lot of people in churches that are just there for the social. Their relationship with Christ is not growing. It, it is stagnant. I mean, that's let's face it. And it's sad. You know, Christ wants to be constantly growing, maturing, learning, studying the Word. But let's study this last page, and then we'll turn these off and we can talk some more. Uh, the indwelling, you know. The Holy Spirit of the name, and notice some parallels. Uh, let's see, demon possession is a devilish travesty of that sublimest of experiences, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in man. Here it gives four different ones, I believe. Number one, demon possession means the introduction of a new personality into the. We talked about that into the victim's being, making in a sense a new creature. What does Christ do? Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, imitating, trying to imitate God's plan. Notice how the Gadarian demoniac acted and spoke as one controlled by another personality. He who is controlled by God has a divine personality indwelling him. Number two, demon-inspired utterances are a satanic travesty on spirit-inspired utterances. True, it has been observed that when a person conscientiously yielded himself to demon power he often received some gift Lisa just mentioned this such as fortune telling mediumship uh, soothsaying whatever you want to call it in this stage the demonized subject has developed capacities for use and is willing to be used he is the trained accustomed voluntary slave of the demon satanic imitation of what the gifts of the spirit Another imitation. And then the last one, demoniacs often manifest extraordinary and superhuman strength, a satanic imitation of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone and using them in a mighty, powerful way. You know, So uh, the last sentence here, the Lord Jesus came into the world to deliver people from the power of evil spirits and put them under the control of of God's Spirit, Amen and Amen. John, you want to catch the the uh, turn that off in there for us, and we'll uh, visit some more here. And uh, okay, Chapter Four. We'll get into that uh, next week. This has been interesting. Some good uh, some good comments tonight. Uh, there's good angels, there's bad angels, and there's a devil that wants to rob kill you and take you out so uh, anyway we'll see if he's got this uh, turned off here did you get it
All right. 